Hi everybody, I'm Bob Schneider. Welcome to the Song Club. I knew it was a bad idea to meet you here, my dear. All right, 24, Song Club 24. That's our two-year anniversary. Or anniversary. It's actually anniversary together. It's two years that you spent together with me. Or maybe it's your first time. I don't know. I don't know how long you've been in this. However long you've been, thanks. Thanks for joining me today here on the Song Club. And thanks for being part of my Patreon. Helps me offset some of the costs of going into the studio and recording these tracks that you're about to hear that I make at home. So I'm a songwriter. My name is B. Schneds or Bob Schneider, whatever you want to call me. Um, I live in Austin. I've been here for about 30 years and I'm originally from Ypsilanti, Michigan. That's where my parents met. They were both going to school at Eastern Michigan University. Um, I think they met there, but they may have actually met earlier than that. The details are hazy because they have told me, but I don't listen much when people talk. So the story that I've constructed is that they met at college, but they may have met earlier. My dad, um, his whole life was a musician and played guitar and would do cover songs. That's what he did back in the 50s and 60s when he was growing up. And um, in the mid-60s, when he was going to college, he had a band called Bob and the Collegiates, and that's the way he paid for his schooling because his parents were not in the picture, really. Um, And at that point, he was living with his aunt. And so, anyways, he was real talented. He's always been super talented at music. And he's the kind of guy that can listen to a song once, or used to be, not so much now, but used to be, could listen to a song once and could know most of it after hearing it once and and play it back. So he knew thousands of songs growing up. Um, and he would play them around the house. My parents liked to party a lot. And uh, so I'd see him entertaining people all the time, just him and a guitar and a couple cases of beer. And that's it. That's all you need for the party. My dad would be the entertainment. And so that's what I grew up in that household. And he taught me how to play guitar when I was about four. And my sister around the same age, she's a year younger than me. So when I was four, five, six, seven, eight, nine... My whole childhood, they used to, uh, once I learned a couple songs, my, my my parents were really proud of me and my sister, and so they would, you know, bring us in. Sometimes they'd wake us up out of bed at night, you know, while they were partying, come on downstairs and play a song for our friends. And we'd go down there and we'd play Row, Row, Row Your Boat or some German song that we learned. Um, Eventually, our big hit was Billy Don't Be a Hero, was the big song that we used to do Billy and my sister would sing the Billy Billy don't be a hero don't be a fool with your life Billy does be a hero and is a fool with his life and doesn't make it through the end of that song 
and dies in Vietnam. Which I guess we knew when we were kids, but I don't know. I don't think we really gave it much thought, that song, or how much heartbreak was involved in that song. Or was there? I don't know. Anyways, it was a big hit for us. People loved it. But anything we did, when you're that young, when you're four, five, and six, and you're singing a song for people, people really love it. And they would go crazy and clap. And I would think to myself, damn, I'm really good at this. My mom, bless her soul, who's still alive and who's still a huge supporter of mine, maybe my biggest supporter, would tell me how great I am. And so would my dad. And so I kind of grew up thinking I was this incredible, amazing uh, performer. And as an adult, I thought I was this incredible, amazing performer. It, it really is in my DNA. Like it's in, because I had those experiences, I really do believe that I am incredible at what I do. And so I'm always amazed <laughs> when people aren't like over the moon like they were when I was four. And now that I'm in my late forties, and when I say late forties, I mean early fifties, uh, I'm always astounded that they don't think I'm as great as I am. And, I mean, I really do think I'm great now, but I thought I was great 10 years ago, and I thought I was great 20 years ago. And 20 years ago, I was pretty good, but I wasn't great. I hadn't really... I I hadn't really, um, I don't know, cobbled together enough songs, really, to be great. I mean, I think I'm, I've always been a pretty good in, entertainer, performer, a pretty good singer. I've always had a few good songs, but now as I, that I've gotten older, I do have quite a few songs to choose from. So the sets are pretty good, much better than they were 10 years ago or 20 years ago. But I used to think I was incredible back then, even when I didn't have the songs. And who knows, I might look back in 10 years and think, well, I wasn't that good 10 years ago because I didn't have all the songs I haven't, that'll happen 10 years. But it could also be the case where I'm like, maybe not live in 10 years, or maybe I've stopped writing good songs. Because I do have this thing, and I've had it my whole life, which is this idea that I'm not going to write any more good songs. Like all the good songs that I've written, I've already written. Like I felt that way 20 years ago. I felt that way 30 years ago. Maybe not 30 years ago. Because I hadn't written that many songs then in my early 20s. Um, I really started writing most of most of the songs that I have today. I really started writing in earnest when I quit drinking, which was around 29. When I was 29, I quit drinking. And then I had all this time on my hands that I used to spend drinking. And also, you know, coincidentally, it was around the time I was getting into my 30s. And I think most people, when they get in their 30s, really kind of hunker down and start going to work. I feel like the 20s are like, ah, 20s are like, yeah, let's party, let's have a good time. And then 30s, it's time to get to work. So I think the combination of uh, uh, quitting drinking, having that additional time on my hands, and then also, you know, being in my 30s, uh, 
I'm meaning all these songs that I've got lined up here because they started playing, which you couldn't hear. Anyways, uh, the combination of those things uh, made me very productive, and I started writing a lot of songs. And also, uh, I started playing in a band called The Scabs, and uh, I started writing with a friend of mine who I started that band with, Adam Temple. And we wrote a lot of songs together um, around that time because we were hanging out all the time and we liked to make each other laugh. And he'd, he was really, he still is a very creative person and a great guitar player. So we just get together and and I had these notebooks that I'd filled with lyrics and, and he had all these chords that he had, you know, all these progressions that he had learned. He, um, he had this book called chord chemistry <laughs> this picture of this guy on the cover with like a weird Amish half beard uh, where the top of it was shaved and the bottom of it was real long and he looked like a total nerd this guy that's on the cover of chord chemistry anyways he had put together all these chord progressions and was an incredibly talented uh, guitar player so we'd get together and and when we first started getting together we'd drink a lot and maybe smoke a little weed and then, you know, turn the tape recorder on. He plays chord progressions. Then I'd, you know, sing these lyrics out of my notebooks um, from around that time. And we wrote a bunch of songs together and, and all those songs became uh, the basis for the band, the scabs. Um, and that was around 95. And that was right before I got sober. And, and then right after I got sober, and then that that band did really well in t- in Austin, and uh, and I wrote a lot of songs in that band, and it was a very creative period. But then I also started writing songs of my own around that time as well, um, not with him, and um, that led me to eventually write a song called Two Thousand and Two which we tried to do with the Scabs, but it was just so slow. And kind of sad that it would kind of disrupt the party. So I had to figure out, well, I'm going to do something else. Um, Because this, I'm not going to be able to do all this music in the scabs. Because the scabs had turned into a big party. So anything that wasn't a song you could dance to kind of was out at that point. Um, This would have been in the late 90s, probably around 98, 99. I think I wrote that song in 98, and so around that time, I started doing some solo gigs, and that eventually became Lonely Land, and then that eventually led to me getting out of my band that I was in, The Scabs, and just going solo around 2001. Anyways, there you go. How about that? The history of me from the time I was a little kid until, oh, I guess almost 20 years ago now. And um, anyways... Yeah, no jokes. Just the facts. Bitch. <laughs> Just the facts, bitch. Ma'am. Excuse me. Ma'am. Just the facts. Um, okay. No problem. Just the facts. You got it. So anyways, um, that's it. So I'm glad to be back here at the Song Club. I've got a bunch of songs. Um, last month, I did a thing where I decided to clear out the inbox um, and and give you guys all the songs that you requested that have 
that you have been requesting over the last two years. And so I did that and it ended up being, I think, like 17 songs or something. Um, so this month, it's all brand new songs, all songs that are written this month or the end of last month, because um, I didn't send out any new songs on the last podcast. So let's get to it. Um, this first song is the last song I wrote. It's called Paper Plane. And I kind of noticed this about the songs that I've written in the last month or so. Um, I realized they didn't go well when I played them live. And I thought for sure that this new song was going to, was going to be great. And then we played it on Monday and it kind of fell flat, which was a bummer, but that happens. You know, that happens where you think you write a good song or maybe it is a good song, but then when you play with the band, it just doesn't work. And then sometimes it takes playing it a couple times for it to work. And, uh, that's kind of what I feel like about all these songs, but I did, I did get this new thing. It's a finger drum or I don't know. There's a term for it, I'm sure, but it sounds like this. I ordered it online on Instagram. They had a advertisement for it. So the last two songs I wrote, I wrote by picking this thing up and going... playing with it and that's what I've done a lot um that's what I've always done kind of if I get a new instrument I'll pick it up I don't know how to play it so I'll just make some sounds and then uh, those sounds uh turn into songs so let's listen to this first song it's called paper plane I don't really 
Man, I used to be so uh, jealous of Andrew Bird's whistling abilities. That motherfucker can whistle so good. And you know, the other guy that can whistle really good is Matt the Electrician. He's an Austin songwriter. Uh, he's incredible. Incredible whistler. Uh, my whistling skills are rudimentary at best. But um, I've always been impressed with people that are good whistlers. Anyways, uh, that song's called Paper Plane. Obviously, there's an MIA song called Paper Planes that's huge. So I was like, kind of reluctant at first to call it paper plane but then i was like well maybe somebody will like search paper planes and like spotify or one of these streaming things and then that'll come up and they'll be like oh what is this a cover that bob schneider did of paper planes and then they hear it and they'll be like oh this shit's fucking good it's not what i was looking for though it's definitely not mia i think i'll find the mia song oh yeah that's much better but you know maybe they'll be like oh let me check it out so it's paper plane i understand there's another song. Very similar. Similar name. Uh, but I didn't know what else to call it. I, I like searched the rest of the song to see if there was something that was maybe more appropriate. And there wasn't. So, Paper Plane it is. So, I did that song with the uh, little wooden African drum. And then I did another one. Uh, the first one I did, actually. And that's called Once You Feel Nothing. So I did a version of it with the with the African drum, and I realized, well, this is not going to work with the band. Kind of the way that Paper Plane didn't work, really, with the band. But I, th- I, I don't know. I, I, I thought it would, but it, it didn't. So not, neither of them did. And, and you'll hear, right, let's listen to a little bit of it. With the, uh, here's the other new song I wrote. So this is called Once You Feel Nothing, and it also uses the, uh, little wooden drum. Once you feel nothing So yeah, so that's the way that's the way I wrote that song. Um, Once you feel nothing, and then I was like, "Eh, it's cool. I don't think it's going to work with the band." Um, And so, lots of times, what I'll do is if I don't think it's going to work, but I like the song, I'll re-record it, keeping in mind that I'm going to have a keyboard player, bass player, another guitar player, and a drummer play it. So I'll kind of do a version where I'm playing all those parts to kind of give them an idea of maybe what they should play when we do it. And so and so I recorded this version uh, for the band. And, uh, of course, I'll include both these versions um, in the post. Um, so you'll have them both. So let's check out the... 
the version that I made for the band. Once you feel nothing You can do anything You can do anything Once you feel nothing When you sign to the crowd Everyone clapped Over the years All your hair fell into your lap And your life flew past you Just like it did for your dad And you drank Because drinking is not bad and once you feel nothing, you can do anything. You can do anything. So there you have it. So that's the band version, which is actually, I think I like that version better than the original version. It's got a nice vibe to it. Um, that's one of the songs where I actually got the idea for it. I forget where I saw it. I think I, I, I think it's a, I think it's a quote or something, or maybe it was a poem. But I, I came across that line once you. I think it was like once I feel nothing, I can do anything, um, and something just struck me about it. I was like, oh, I got to write a song, with that quote, and and I don't know where I got it from. If if you know, email me if you've come across it, but um. And I don't know really what the legalities are of something like that where you where you turn a line that you see into a song. I've never really thought about it or given it much thought um, because, I'm, you know, I fly so far below the radar of anything like, I mean, I'm not making any money so uh, off these songs uh, other than playing them live, but that's me performing live. It's not me getting any real revenue from these songs. So... It's not like I'm making any money, so if I'm not making any money, nobody is going to come after me to try to get money that I'm not making. So I guess if I was making millions of dollars on songs, which I guess you can still do if you get to a certain level in the music business, um, even today, I'm just not there, and I doubt I'll ever be there, which is fine. Uh, I make enough to get by, which is great. And uh, have you guys tell me uh, on Patreon, uh, which really helps... Uh, helps me go into the studio because that that is quite a cost actually to make a record so um you know there you have it so those those are some new songs that i wrote uh i also wrote a song a few weeks back i guess it's been about a month now uh i was visiting a friend of mine john Cusumano who may you may or may not know as Rachel Ray's husband. Uh, if you watch her show, he's on the show all the time. But he also is a, a great songwriter and a singer and has a band called The Cringe. Um, we've toured with them, um, and I've become friends with him and, and his wife uh, over the years. And every time we get together, we usually do some co-writing. And, and we've written a lot of songs together now. And uh, it's always fun. Um, he, he has a, he has a nice little studio at his place and he's got some great instruments. And, and the thing about 
instruments really for me is like I just pick up something I've never played before and I always feel like there's a song in there like the songs in the instrument because I'm unfamiliar with it so when I pick it up and start playing it even if it's a guitar because it's got a different tonal quality or it's got a different feel um it will make my brain work in a weird way where I'll think of something new that I hadn't thought of before so and and being in a different place you know not being in in my home where I usually write that also helps your brain work in different ways as well. And uh, so uh, the songs, we've written some pretty good songs together. And this is one of my f- more favorite ones that we've done. Uh, and it's called Everything is Going to Hell. The, I, I, I tell you, the part that I like the least of the song is the title. Um, and it just ended up being that... Um, sound like everything was going to hell when I wrote the song. I mean, maybe it is, or maybe it feels that way sometimes. Um, you know, there's a lot of stuff about how, the, you know, the world's fucked up and the system's broken and, and and uh, you know, everybody's like nervous and scared that they're that all their shit's going down the tubes. And I think that's why people are so, uh, you know, that's why the country's so divided and everything, because uh, everybody's like, man, like, you know, I'm really worried uh, because we live in a society that where there's just we're constantly told that you know we're dying or the world's ending or somebody's coming to get your shit or these people are killing people whatever it is. I mean, we're just inundated with uh, with bad news all the time, and uh, and uh, you know, for a lot of people, uh, you know, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know about for a lot of people. It seems like a lot of people, like, you know, have a hard time eking out a living. Um, I know that's true here in Austin where I live because it's so expensive to live here. A lot of people uh, end up moving and have moved um, because the cost of living from the time I moved here till now is just crazy. To give you an example, when I first moved here, I moved here with $300 in 80 into 88 beginning at 89 I guess it was and uh you could live here for that easily like 300 bucks a month you could you could live on 300 bucks a month in Austin when I moved here uh you cannot you cannot do that now I mean you can't live here for 300 dollars a week uh no Mm, not even close so that's changed quite a bit. So anyways, uh, anyways, I, I guess I'm just saying all that. This is like, by the way, if you're turning into the song club to like laugh a lot, I guess, uh, I guess by now you're like realizing, oh, I guess there won't be any laughter in this podcast. It's just going to be Bob talking about facts and stuff and keeping it real chill and real no joke. And I guess that's true. I don't know. I wasn't feeling very, definitely wasn't feeling very, uh, wasn't in a real jokey mood when I came here to to record this podcast. But I do like these songs and I figured, well, if I can't, if I'm not going to find, if I'm not going to be telling any jokes, maybe I can at least uh, be informative. So that's what I'm trying to do, uh, which I'm not normally, so maybe this will make up for it. So, uh, yeah, so the title is my least favorite. 
on this song. And uh, when we recorded it originally at John's place, uh, John played drums, played bass. Um, but then when I got home and and uh, started playing it, I realized it's too high. It was too high for me to sing in that key. So I re-recorded everything um, at my place in a lower key. And uh, let's just check it out. Here it is. Uh, Everything's going to hell. Sometimes everything's going to hell. Mm, that's exciting to listen to. Me doing that sound can't be good. So yeah, there it is. Um, that's that song. Um, I did get a new keyboard, which is really cool. It's the uh, Moog One, which is a really nice uh, synthesizer, um, in which I used on that. And uh, I've kind of used it on everything uh, over the last month since I got it. Um, it's Again, it's that thing where you get a new instrument and you're playing it. And just by playing it, you're going to come up with new ideas that or just, you know, it's just a tool to help you write, to help you get creative. Um, because, you know, just any different situation is going to help you write. Um, for instance, when my kids were born... Those were extremely new situations for me, and I ended up writing some really good songs during and after, uh, you know, during pregnancy and then after the birth. And then, uh, you know, just because that was a completely different scenario for me, and it made my brain go crazy. And then I wrote some nice songs. So that's the way it works. I mean, there's no... Songwriting is one of those things that people do because they tell themselves they can do it, and then people don't do it because they're like, oh, I can't do that. I can't write a song. Kind of the way I, I do this thing where I go, I, I can't, I'm not a good actor. And when I tell myself I'm not a good actor, then I, I, I'm, I'm not a good actor because you have to, to act, you have to like have this thing inside you where you're like, oh, yeah, that I can, I can, I'm great at acting. All you do is just say the lines, and that's all you got to do. It's easy. I can do that. But I, I've tried it, and I have not had success doing it. 
um, I tend to have this voice inside my brain going, you suck. You suck. You suck. And uh, it's overpowering, that voice. And I think, you know, like when people think about performing on stage or writing a song or being creative, um, that voice is real loud inside them and it disallows them from doing it. But it's something anybody can do and it's fun. And so if you are looking for something to do, uh, why not do it? Write some songs. Um, You can't join my song game. (laughs) Uh, I have people ask me that all the time. Can I join your song game? Like real songwriters, people that do it all the time. And I'm like, well, no, because it's, there's a small group and it's, it's got, I've had it where it's gotten real big in the past and it's not fun. Uh, it's already, it feels too big and it's small. So, but you can start your own song club with your friends or with people that you know, or with creative people. And it doesn't have to be songs, it can be anything really. And the way I do it is I do it once a week. I send out an email with, with the phrase to the small group of songwriters that are in it. And uh, it's, it's kind of like, um, and I just send them a phrase and I'm like, use the phrase in the song somewhere. And, and so they'll, everybody writes a song, has a phrase in it. And, uh, and it's just an excuse to write a song that week. And, and like everything, some, some of the songs are good and some, some aren't that good. Um, but I end up writing, you know, 50 songs a year because, because of it. And you can too. So if you're looking for something to do, start a song club with your friends And then at the end of the year, you'll have written a bunch of songs and some of them will be good for sure. You'll like some of them, which is saying a lot, you know? All right. So here's another song. This is a song actually that I used to do in the scabs back in the nineties. And, uh, I wanted to do it with my band and I didn't have a demo for it. So I was like, Oh, let me just record a quick demo to send to the band. So they know how the song goes. And so I'm including it this week as well. And it's a song called Gong, It's Taco Time, or just Taco Time. And it came from this billboard that used to be out on I-35 in downtown Austin when I first moved here. And it was just a giant billboard that had a 3D taco on it. And above the taco, it just said, Gong, It's Taco Time. And I just thought that was the most awesome billboard. It was like a pure piece of art. I think it was the perfect blend of art and commerce. And it was right downtown Austin. And I just loved Austin. I still love Austin. And when I saw that, I was like, ah, that's an Austin billboard. And and the guy who made the giant 3D taco, um, I wish I could think of his name. He, he made a bunch of 3D uh, things here in Austin um, that were kind of all over the place. Uh, Mary's, Maria's, Maria's Taco. Man, I can't remember shit. Anyways, there was a bunch of these big 3D sculptural things that the guy made around town. Um, And so that was there. And then right around that time that that billboard was up, there was an article in the paper where somebody shat in some, like the beans at a Taco Bell and then served that up to some customers And they all got sick, of course. And they figured, you know, they'd like, all these people had this one thing that was caused by eating poop. 
And then they were like, oh, they all ate at this Taco Bell. And they tracked down the person that was responsible for it. And I thought that was hilarious. So, gong. It's taco time. Gong is taco time. Gong is taco time. Gong is taco time. Gong is taco time. I need a beef, a tortilla, baby, deep fried with cheese. Some extra spicy, super runny salsa, please. Some lettuce and tomato and some fresh sour cream. And a side of tasty Mexican refried beans. Gong is taco time. Boom, boom, boom. Gong is taco time. Gong is taco time. Gong is taco time, gong is taco time Please don't take a shit, dude, in the pot of beans I love my bean burritos if you know what I mean I don't want no fecal matter in my penis and cheese So won't you do me a favor and take it easy, pork for board Gong is taco time, boom, boom, boom Gong is taco time Gong is taco time, gong is taco time Keep your poop in your pants and keep the food on the shelf. Yeah, that's the kind of uh, magic I was creating back in the 90s with the scabs. Um, along with songs like I Fucked Your Daughter in the Ass Boy, Pussy Fever, which is Pussy Fever still to this day is one of my favorite songs. Obviously, if we were trying to do that song today, people like, you know, with the with the culture and climate the way it is now, like if I try to play a song called Pussy Fever, people would fucking lose their fucking minds. They'd be like, what the fuck, dude? That's so fucking misogynistic. And I'd be like, is it though? Is it just because I'm using the word pussy? Um... Uh, it's not. <laughs> it, yeah, you'll just have to take my word for it. The, all all of those songs, uh, the scab songs, like I Fucked Your Daughter and the Ass Boy and Pussy Fever and songs like that, were basically songs that were indictments on how stupid dudes are. It wasn't like, oh, girls are, you know, sex objects and that's the only thing, only way we think about it. No, it's dudes are dumb and to make a lot of decisions with their penis. And uh, that's what those songs are about. Being dumb. Being stupid. But nowadays, I feel like just because I use the word pussy fever in the course of a song, people be like, uh, yeah, man, that's degrading to women. Uh, okay. Go back to the 90s. Go to those shows and see how degraded those women felt because they they were packed packed with ladies who were having a great time enjoying themselves dancing and a bunch of dudes uh trying to get in there to meet those ladies who were having a wonderful time and ask those ladies if they were being degraded and feeling bad no they weren't they were having a great time they were having a good time and what's weird is that we we used to have all these lesbians that would come to the show and they'd be like, dude, I love that Pussy Fever song. I'm like, well, of course you do. You're a lesbian. You got Pussy Fever, just like I got Pussy Fever. Anyways, I love that. 
I love that we had a bunch of lesbians in there um, checking those shows out and digging what we were doing. I felt good about it because here's what I like. Women. Guess what I don't like? Guess what I like less than women? Dudes. You know why? Because dudes aren't that cool. Uh, and they're not as smart. And they're not as wonderful as women are. Women are smarter. And they're nicer. They're cooler. They're more interesting. And I dare say because they are smarter and more interesting, they also have the tendency to be, to have the capacity to be way more fucking uh, evil, <laughs> evil than men. And then they're like, wait a minute, wait, what are you talking about, Bobby? Women aren't evil, they're, they're like all the other good stuff. I'm like, no, no, I've seen women do some fucked up shit. When you're in the band business and you're seeing shit going down after shows, I've seen women do shit that is fucking roofless. And yeah, dudes do some fucking bullshitty, fucked up shit too, but guys tend to be more dumb about it. And women tend to be a little bit more fucking clever and, dare I say, I don't know what I'm trying to say here. I'm getting myself in hot water. But um, I love women. I love women. And uh, I always have. And some dudes. Most women and then a few dudes. That's the way I feel. Because I'm a man. And guess what? All men are my enemy. Yeah, that's right. All men. You, if you're a dude, you're my enemy. (laughs) Because there's only one spot. There's only one spot, and I got to be in that spot. Now, if I'm in that spot, and you're cool with me being in the spot, then we're probably pretty cool. But if we're both vying for the same spot, uh... For instance, if your name is Bono, uh, and we're vying for the one spot, guess what, Bono? You're my enemy. You're my enemy, Bono. Uh, even though I, I kind of like Bono. And he is in the number one spot. And I'm kind of cool with him being in the number one spot because he got there before me. And we weren't vying for it at the same time. But, like, I'm not going to name anybody else. Because there are some people that got here either at the same time or a little after I did. And they're vying for the same spot as I do. And guess what? Don't like them. Don't like them. Why? Because we're vying for the same motherfucking spot. And there's only one spot. So, there you have it. Um, What else have I got here uh, in the song club this week or this month? Uh, I did a cover of a Daniel Johnston song called King Kong. I'm going to lay that on you. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Daniel Johnson or not, but he's this guy that lived here in the 80s and used to make these like homemade cassettes of his music and then take him down to Sound Exchange. Maybe he took him to other places as well, but I know I always saw him at the Sound Exchange and they were like straight up like Xerox bullshitty looking cassettes. And I listened to it back then, and I was like, yeah, this is some real bullshit. And even, and now, I'm like, oh, I get it. I get it. Now I can see, like, how original and different and cool it is now. But even now, I'm like, I'm not going to be listening to Daniel Johnston for very long. 
It's something you can listen to for a minute. It's like a brandy. I don't know if anybody drinks brandy, but like, guess what you're not going to do? You're not going to drink a whole bottle of brandy unless you're a goddamn fucking homeless dude and you got no options. But if you got options and you could drink anything you want, maybe you'll have like a tiny, the tiniest, tiniest thimble full of brandy. And then you're going to drink something else that tastes good. Like a goddamn gin and tonic or a beer or a fucking pina colada. If you got the choice between a pina colada and a fucking ball of brandy and you choose the brandy, just kill yourself now because you're an alcoholic and you're going to die real slow, horrible death when your liver explodes inside your body. So, anyways, here's the... uh, So, anyways, I, I never really listened to Daniel Johnson and then I came across this Tom Waits cover of a Daniel Johnson song called King Kong. And I didn't even know it was a cover. I just thought it was a song that Tom Waits wrote that was on his Orphans, I think it's called Orphans record, um, which was a bunch of like covers and B-sides and demo, you know, weird shit that didn't make his records. And it was on there. And I guess it was on a Daniel Johnson tribute record as well. So I heard it and I was like, oh, this is cool. And then, oh, this is Daniel Johnson. Then I listened to Daniel Johnson's version, which is really cool as well. And it's great. It is a great song and it's weird and fucked up. It goes on way too long. And in the original, it's just him singing with no music. And it gets long. Like it's five and a half minutes of him just telling the story of King Kong to this sort of monotonous thing. So what I did was I added some chords to it. And it made it, it just gave it just enough variations to make it a little bit more bearable to listen to the whole thing. Um, so, all right, so here it is. This is my version of Daniel Johnston's song, King Kong. They shot him down. They shot him down. Was a monster, but he was the king. Came to his island, they brought her there with them. They wanted to get his picture, but they were surprised by his enormous size. When he saw the woman, he took her without question. Cause after all, he was the king. He loved the woman He loved the way she looked But she wouldn't stop screaming He loved the woman He fought a Tyrannosaurus Rex And it was a bloody battle He fought it for his woman Climbed up on a mountain Had a look around Saw some kind of forest With these dinosaurs He stripped his woman Stripped her bare Yeah, there's a bunch of rapey stuff in that song as well But, I mean, because he was kind of rapey But, I mean, he didn't rape her But he did, like, accidentally 
tear off her clothes. Um, you know, cause she's tiny and he's got those big fingers and you didn't have nail clippers. King Kong don't have no nail clipper. He just bites them fingers, nails, and they get all scraggly and scruffed up. And then when he's like trying to, you know, caress her or whatever, then rip, rip somebody's shit right off. Especially if they're wearing nothing but rag, old raggedy rags that they made in the jungle. Um, I guess she ended up with raggedy rags because she first she got, I, I think in the movie she got kidnapped by some tribe dudes and then they dressed her up in their raggedy rags. But even those raggedy rags, I feel like, man, they got some kind of fucking, you know, that was like a, that wasn't made out of leaves and shit. That was like actual, you know, some cloth and shit that they made. So, I don't know. All that shit kind of fucks me up in movies where I'm like, hey, wait a minute. That's, uh, that's like some, that was made in a mill somewhere, that cloth. Yeah. They scuffed it up and they made it look like, you know, it was some raggedy rags, but, uh, no, the original material was made in, on some kind of like fucking highly expensive machinery that they don't, obviously don't have in this jungle. And, uh, if it was made in the jungle, it'd be some vines, it'd just be a fucking vine, or it just wouldn't be anything because it's just like, fuck it. It's, it's nice. No need to wear any clothes, really. And we got no looms to make clothes and leaves don't feel good like i don't know if anybody's watched naked and afraid i mean the first thing i would do if i was in naked afraid is make something to you know cover up my junk but i'd be like this sucks because like i can i can only wear 100 percent cotton on my body at all time even the smallest amount of anything that's not cotton touching my body is like fire so the idea of wearing a fucking leaf or a goddamn scraggly-ass bush around my junk or any part of my body, no thanks. But I would do it. I would do it if I was on Naked Afraid because I don't want to be naked around other people uh, that I don't know. Strangers. Crew guys. I don't want to be. I have a bunch of film crew guys around me while I'm naked because that's who I am. Uh, I think a lot. And I just would be thinking, well, what are these guys thinking? And then body shame issues. So there you go. More information. Maybe more information than you thought you were going to get on this podcast. So another song I just wrote is called Some Days Are Better Than Others. Which is kind of like this song I wrote, That's the Way Life's Supposed to Be. But whatever. Maybe it's an updated version of it or something. And uh, so I wrote a version that um, I wrote a version that's kind of the band version, and then which is fine. And I sent that to the band, but then I was like, oh, I kind of like this song, just solo acoustic. So I recorded a solo acoustic version of it, which I like as well. And uh, we'll listen to a little bit of both, and I'll include both of them in the post. And so you'll have both. Um, they're kind of both nice for different reasons. Um, here is the acoustic version first. I wish I was a more handsome thief Lying somewhere underneath the light of your smile 
Like a cloud in the sky for I wish I was alone on the moon, not having to hide away all afternoon in the shade. At this party, you and your friends have So there's the acoustic version, and then here's uh, here's what the uh, full band sounds like. I wish I was somewhere far away from where I've always been. I'd stay home. There goes the man I used to be. are better than others some podcasts are funnier than others some have more information some are more informative some are less racist some are less sexist than others um yeah okay so there's that song some days are better than others so Here's another new song that I wrote. It's called The Sun's Coming. And I, I, this is another one where I was like, oh, this song is so cool. I like it a lot. And, um, and then I sent it to the band, and then we tried to play it on Monday, and it just did not work. And I was like, what the fuck? I thought this song was going to be great. Um, and again, it happens sometimes where you, you know, some songs are, are real fun, uh, you know, when you write them and then you think they're great at home and then you never know until you get in front of an audience and, and you, you play them with your band and, and some songs are good, uh, to listen to and, uh, for whatever reason, um, you know, maybe it's an uninspired performance or maybe it's just not a good song to play with the, the configuration I have, the band configuration I have and, and you know, some songs do require you to get together as a band and hash things out and figure out parts and stuff. And I just don't do that. I just don't, I don't like rehearsing. Um, so I think of the Saxon pub as like a way for us to rehearse the songs. Um, granted, uh, we are doing it on, we're filming it and we're only doing it once. We're not going over and over it again, but there is something to be said about just doing it for the first time at the Saxon, which I love. 
Because for me, it's like, well, I get to go to a Bob Schneider gig and hear this material for the first time uh, with the audience. And there's something about that which I really enjoy. Um, Whereas if I went to a rehearsal, we'd rehearse it, rehearse it, get kind of tired of it, and then play it live. And it would be probably better, but it wouldn't have the same magic that you get when we're doing it for the first time together. Um, which you get sometimes down there. All right. Well, anyways, this is, so this song is called, uh, the sun's coming and, uh, let's listen to a little bit of it. See how it sounds. Uh, yeah, there you have it. So, yeah, we played that live and it didn't go over well, or it just didn't pop. But maybe, you know, we'll keep trying it. We'll do it a few more times. Sometimes you have to do it a few times for it to actually click. Uh, that's called The Sun's Coming. So, I, I do have a few emails. I think I'm going to set up like a dedicated sort of email address for all the Patreon and podcast people. Um, because I feel like I'm either, sometimes I'm reading these emails twice, which I really don't want to do because it will show you how little I remember. And maybe I'm missing some as well because there's different places you can post on the Patreon site. There's a community posting spot, there's a messages spot, and then there's just comments. So I don't know, uh, if I'm getting all the, all the emails or questions or comments or whatever. But I will read the ones from February that I received, and um, and then hopefully by the next podcast I will have um, uh, just a, a an email that you can send everything to, and then hopefully or or maybe we'll figure out maybe we'll do it on Twitter or something where you can hashtag um, Song Club 
hashtag song club on Twitter, and then leave your comments and questions there. That might be the way to do it. So let's just do that. Um, so we'll do hashtag song club um, in Twitter. And then what I'll do is next month when I do this podcast, I will check that and see what's there. And whatever's there on the hashtag song club questions, uh, I will... I'll answer those questions and also post that on Patreon so that you know it. And maybe I'll do it on Facebook as well. So, so that, you know, all right. So let me get to the few emails that I have. Uh, I got one from Wes Cruz said, be schnitty. I can't get enough of your music. Longtime fan, but the podcast and song club have turned up the volume on my enjoyment of your funny, sad, crazy, unique, explicit, fun, honest, and super creative music. You're a lyrical genius. Wow. Thanks. That's so nice to hear that. Wes. I've been searching the Song Club archives for Back From Outer Space, heard it on a recent Saxon live stream, and dig it. Can you add it to this month's list or point me to where it is on the past on a past post? Thanks, Wes. I think it is actually on a past post, and what I did was I just, uh, yesterday actually, or a couple days ago, listed all the songs that I have um, put out over the last two years on the Song Club. So check that post out. And um, you'll find it on there somewhere, and then that will tell you where to go to download it. Because, like I said, there's 24, uh, 24 downloads or posts on my Patreon site now that have basically like a EP on each post. So uh, if you've been here this entire time, or if you just joined us, you can download essentially 24 eight-song EPs of music. Uh, so check it out. I, I'm sure it's on there somewhere, Wes. If it's not, hashtag song club and I'll get, I'll get it next time. Tony Sardich writes, hi, Bob. First off, thanks for always coming through Minnesota. We'd love to have you all the way back up to Duluth again. Long time Patreoner, first time requester, a question and two requests. Actually, is there anything you like more about performing solo versus with a band Two, Is there a demo for alien? Love the song. Or do you play a fun little ditty in Monterey, California in 06 with Plank, which started with the line, got my blasters all strapped to my thighs, maybe called, check it out later. Only ever heard you play it the one time and never could find it anywhere else on the fronks. Thanks for being so approachable and responsive in your podcast. Oh, no, no problem, Tony. Uh, yes, uh, I believe both Alien and uh, the other songs called Now or Later. Uh, I think both of those actually have been featured in the song club. So check that list, go through it and see if it's on there. I think they both are, but if for some reason they're not, and you can't find them hashtag song club on Twitter and uh, we'll get you up to date and uh, we'll include those in a future podcast. And as your, as to your question about what's more fun performing solo or a band, it's always more fun to play with the band uh, I love the guys that I play with. They're incredible musicians, and I can do a lot of stuff with a band that I can't really do um, solo. But um, I have really learned to enjoy doing the solo shows because they, because they are much more difficult. And with anything in life, uh, the more difficult something is and the more scary it is, usually the more rewarding it is at the end of the day. And and I do, I definitely do a lot more talking during the solo shows. And, and, and because of it, it's, it's a different type of show. It's a more intimate show. I think people get to know me a little bit more, uh, 
during the solo shows than they do when I'm just sort of like conducting a party, which is what we do with the band most of the time. So they're both fun for different reasons. Um, and John Mudge wrote Song Club Podcast, period, question? Hey, I'm just wondering if I've somehow missed the last couple of links for the monthly pre-tunes podcast. I really look forward to my monthly pickup. John, I don't know, because I don't do any of it. Uh, I uh, I don't know. Uh, I we did we did have a transition. Uh, I just got a new manager and a new um, online people that are putting this that are posting all this stuff. So maybe in that transition there was a hiccup or two. Hopefully everything's on track. If for some reason you're not getting what you need, hashtag song club. <laughs> here's here's what I know is going to happen. By the way, as soon as I get done posting this podcast and say, Hey, hit me up. Hashtag song club. I'm going to forget that I said that and then never check my Twitter, never check hashtag song club. <laughs> and then you guys will be emailing me on Patreon going, Hey man, a uh, couple months back, you said to like hashtag song club, use that hashtag and ask questions. Uh, I did it and, uh, never heard back. And, uh, it'll be like, Oh shit. I forgot. But here's the deal. Even if I forgot, guess what? Once it's up there, it'll be there for Evs. And if I do forget, then I'll be like, okay, let me check it. And then I'll check it real quick, and then it'll be there. But it might be like a month late, which is fine. Because guess what? You'll be there in a month, and I'll be there in a month, and we'll all be here in a month. And sometimes the best things are the things you have to wait for a little bit. All right. Anyways, we're about out of time. Thank you again for joining me this month in the song club. We're going to get out of here with a, a, another brand new song called Trier. Um, and uh, check out my other podcast. I have another podcast that I do once a week uh, called I'm Okay, You're Okay, I'm Not Okay, You're Not Okay with my buddy Clint Wells. And it's uh, that one's definitely more jokey-jokey. Um, and we also talk about some deep shit as well. Um and the newest one, the one that's out right now, is pretty funny uh, because Clint uh, did the editing on it and he added some editing stuff, which is kind of funny. So check that out. Also, you can check out Clint's podcast, uh, Mental Up Your Podcast, which is a, another podcast he does. I don't want to tell people to listen to too many damn podcasts, though, because damn it. Listen to this one first and always. And all men are my enemies. So... Fuck the rest of those podcasts. Fuck them. But not fuck you. You, thank you. Thank you. And we'll see you next time. All right. Take care. Yeah.
Remember, to get this song and all the songs you've heard on today's podcast, go to www.patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com backslash Bob Schneider. Enjoy my song club today. And I look forward to meeting up with you again soon here in the song club.